Whosoever is delighted in solitude is either a wild beast or a god. Aristotle. Welcome to the second episode of our companion podcast to the History Channel's epic solo adventure show, Alone. I'm Doc, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jukebox. Each week, we're going to take a deep dive into the latest episode of Alone. We are a bit late this week because Jukebox and I spent some of last week hiking the Trans-Catalina Trail on Santa Catalina Island off the coast of Southern California. What'd you think of that trip, Jukebox? Uh, well... Unlike our companions out on a loan in the surrounding area of the Great Slave Lake, there were no musk ox, but we did see some infamous Catalina bison. I believe four to be exact. Yeah, one got pretty close to us. Yeah, I was in camp that morning. You were about 10 yards away. I was getting nervous that it was going to make a charge for you. I was I was sure to keep a tree between me and the bison at all times. I understand that they can't uh, navigate tight corners, so I, I felt I was going to be pretty safe uh, kind of moving around the tree if it came after me. But I was not antagonizing it. I was not harassing it. I was merely standing there. <laughs> at least in his eyes. I don't know what the bison thought, but... I don't, want any, I don't want any nasty complaint emails saying, oh my goodness, how can you torture a bison? It was nothing like that. No, it wasn't. He was, uh, he was just moseying through our campsite. Yep. All right. Before we get to this week's episode, we have changed the format of the show a little bit. We're feeling our way here and we're looking for the best content for you. So this week we'll have less summary and more analysis of what's happening on the show. Sound good? Sounds good. I figure our listeners will probably enjoy this more since they've probably already seen the episode in depth and are maybe looking for a little more commentary than summary. So this should be good. I'm excited. Okay, let's get down to season seven, episode three of Alone, titled That Was No Bunny. Now, in this episode, we, get in, we do get introduced to the last two contestants for the season, Joel Vanderloon and Keith Sires. And we catch up with the four contestants we have seen previously. And spoiler alert, there are no tapouts this week. Now, I do have to give you some introduction on uh, the two new characters. Joel is 34 years old and from Sisters, Oregon, although he is originally from South Africa, as we learned from his Swahili lesson at the beginning of the episode. Keith is 45 years old and from Sturgis, Kentucky. And I'm going to start off with some analysis right out of the gate here, Jukebox. Take a listen and see if you agree or disagree with me on this. This is episode three, and we are just meeting these guys for the first time, and I think these guys are serious contestants. I mean, we don't even see anything on these guys for the first eight days. I think they were left out of the first two episodes because they are going to be on the show until the end. Joel grew up off the grid and learned the skills of Maasai warriors in South Africa, and he currently runs a survival school. And Keith, in his own words, grew up feral, living outside for 30-plus years. So I'm thinking these guys have some skills, and they're going to be going the distance. Do you agree or disagree with that? I definitely agree, uh, and my power rankings will, will, will reflect that sentiment as well. I think 
you know, Keith and Joel have made major strides in just the short amount of time we've been with them. They kind of, their demeanor's a little bit different. They know what they're doing. They're eager. They're excited. Not a lot of, of fear permeating from, uh, from their residence on the, uh, in the Arctic there. Yeah, definitely pretty confident. Pretty confident. Now, to help our, our listeners keep track of all these guys that we're talking about, guys and gals, I thought it'd be helpful. I'm going to spring this on you right now. I didn't even tell you about this. I think it'd be helpful if we gave them nicknames that, that coincide with maybe oh, some wow. of the events or maybe where they're from, just so that it's, it's easily recognizable and someone's not struggling. Well, who, who is, who's Joe? Which, which one is that? So I was thinking about maybe doing some nicknames. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Okay. So I'm going to go in the order of, of uh, the contestants and, and the way that they were introduced on this particular episode. So we saw Joel first. What would be a good nickname for Joel? He's from South Africa, speaking Swahili. Oh, wow. I don't know. I was going to give them nicknames based off what they've been doing in the show so far. I, yeah. I wasn't taking into account origin story. Well, he, he, he spent a lot of time talking about uh, Hakuna Matata. Remember that? Yeah, what do we call him, Simba? I was thinking Timon, since, you know, Timon and Pumbaa, they're the ones that talked about Hakuna Matata. I think it was Timon that actually sung that song. Yeah, okay, I like Timon. Okay, Joel, a.k.a. Timon. That's how, that's how we'll refer to him from now on. All right. Okay, how about, how about Keelan? Oh, Keelan, I don't know. She, you know what, it might be funny and... Uh, I, it, it goes back to my, uh, our new format and the sentence I wrote down for Keelan. Uh, how about Nemo? Nemo. She seems to be struggling with the, in the fish department and I think she's trying to find Nemo. Okay. Fi finding Nemo. Yeah. But I mean, we could have said, I, I felt like we're just giving her a name, right? Nemo. Nemo. Okay. Keelan, AKA Nemo. Got it. All right. Keith. Keith, now this might be a, a, a reference you don't get, but when he was showing off, this is the new contestant, when he was showing off his long hair. Right. And he, he referred to a, you know, a horror comedy show or a horror TV show from the, from the 50s. He yeah. was referring to the Adams Family, and he looked like Cousin It. Okay. So Cousin, Cousin It. it. Keith, a.k.a. Cousin It. Okay. Okay. How about Amos? Oh, I don't know for Amos. <sighs> let's think what what's distinguishing about him he was a uh, he's been in the civil war before right right um he's scared of the predators not scared but he's extremely aware of them at night you know he was doing some yoga this episode oh yoga okay yoga master so, the yogi yeah. I don't know. What do they call the yoga master? Like, there's definitely a name for the person leading the class. Here, you keep talking. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a quick search Wait. here. I'm going to do a definition of a yogi and see what, what that turns up here. He was doing yogini. A yogi is a practitioner of yoga. Oh, okay. Yogi. All right. Yogi. All right. So, Amos is yogi, a.k.a. yogi. yogi. Okay. All right. Joe. Joe, Joe killed the, uh, didn't he kill the squirrel with a rock first episode? Yes. So we think in a picture reference here? Uh, could be. 
famous Joes with an a, with a who are pitchers, or hmm, baseball reference. Uh, what else is what is all, what else has he done that's noteworthy? He's, he's pretty good. With, he's he's pretty good with a hatchet. Oh, that's true. So what are what are we going to call him? Uh, Paul Bunyan. Or we could call him Gary Paulson. <laughs> uh, I don't know who that is. He wrote Hatchet, the book. Oh, oh. That's not really a nickname, though. Well, maybe maybe we just stick with Joe. Yeah. No Bo Joe. No Bo Joe. Oh, like it. No Bo Joe. He is the one contestant this year without a bow. Very good. AKA right. no bow. Not northbound. Roll. Not northbound, but no bow. B O W. Right, right. Okay, and uh, Roland. Roland. You gotta have a good nickname for Roland. He is he is the guy of the Rock House. Right. He is constructor of Rock House. Um, king of the Fire Reed. Uh I don't know. You kind of caught me off guard with these nicknames. I got to be Johnny on the spot here. Yeah. Good thing you're clever. For some reason, Roland just, I don't know if it's creating the rock house or what, but he reminds me of that. One of the fantastic four members, you know, the, what is it called? The thing. The thing. Is okay. Am I wrong? No, he, know. you know, the thing is kind of brute force, right? I mean, he, Roland, Roland is really a lot about uh, brute force. I'm okay with the thing. The Thing, right? The, the thing, thing is yeah. a fictional superhero appearing in American comic books. Yeah. The character is a founding member of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. All right. I wasn't wrong there. I was picturing that right. Okay. So we have our nicknames. Just to summarize, we have Joel, a.k.a. Timon, Keelan, a.k.a. Nemo, Keith, a.k.a. Cousin It, Amos, a.k.a. The Yogi, Joe, a.k.a. Nobo, and Roland, a.k.a. The Thing. All right, so we're going we're gonna to go easy. We're going to go light on the summary this episode. So what we've done is we have, we have each crafted a single sentence about each contestant that kind of depicts their, uh, their antics on this week's episode. So we're going to share these one at a time. Uh, do you want to go first or you want me to go first with Joel, a.k.a. Tomorrow? Uh, you can go first. Okay. So here's my sentence about Joel. Joel makes a friend with Jakku, the musk ox skull, and he takes a tumbling building a food platform. That's pretty much, that sums it up. Yeah, I went similar with the uh, one sentence summary, except I kept it pretty abrupt. Okay. Uh, for, for Timon, I have on his way to Castaway. Uh, the musk ox uh, reminds me of Tom Hanks as Wilson out on the island. So... I feel like Joel's on his way to being uh what's his name Chuck Nolan? I feel like uh I feel like Timon's on his way there. He's on his way to being cast away. That is an excellent summary and analysis. It, how long how long before Tom Hanks uh was talking to Wilson the the volleyball? I don't know the approximate number of days, but I months. I months. I Joel Timon definitely beat him there. Yeah, I think we don't. I think we joined Joel on day eight. So he he, you know, just over a weekend, he's talking to a musk muskox skull. It was uh, 
it was an interesting scene. Yeah. Full on conversation. The camera pointed at his face and then the camera pointed at, at Jakku. It was pretty entertaining and uh, something relatable about it. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I just felt like I would have done something similar in that, in that situation. Yeah, Jakku, Jakku was speaking with a South African uh, slang, talking back. Yeah, I don't know what the – they really had to put the closed captions in there. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you think of um, his, his spill building the, the food cache? You know, it looked bad from the sneak peek from last week, um, but it really didn't end up being all that troubling for him. I mean, he didn't have any injuries. I think he learned maybe to push the tree over next time before just letting it come down. But it also – I can't tell. Obviously, it's easy for me to play Monday morning quarterback here, but I feel like it's pretty common sense to direct which way the tree's falling before it comes down. No. Yeah, here, here's my comment. He, he's up on a ladder, right? A homemade ladder. He's probably a good 10 feet off the ground. And he's using a hatchet. He's using his axe to try and cut down the, the, cut the top off of this tree. And, you know, it falls on him, basically. Knocks him off the ladder, and he, he takes a spill. And then on trees number two and three, when he's doing the same thing, he whips out a bow saw and starts sawing. Why didn't he yeah. use the bow saw from the beginning? Holy cow, he's got a bow saw. Yeah, honestly, I don't know what it I don't know how that happened. Like why it the if you look at the way the log fell too, it's like he like hatcheted straight through it on that last huck and then it just fell straight down. Like right. he didn't I feel like he would have had the opportunity to kind of direct it there. I also feel like uh if you're an amateur amateur logger, like one of your major main major concerns would be to direct the tree away from you while you chop it down. Right. If you can stand on a ladder and 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 swing a little hatchet with uh, with one one arm, um, and go all the way through the tree. I mean, there wasn't much left there. He should he should have just pushed it over, right? Yeah, it looks like he did that with the other one too. Yeah, like the one the second one. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're right. It's easy to play Monday morning Monday morning quarterback. But yeah. uh, that's what we're here for. We're, we are, we are second-guessing the contestants. All right, Keelan, Nemo, you or me, go ahead. So I, I'm afraid to mispronounce this, but for Nemo, I kept it short again. Carpe Pisces, seize I, the fish. Nice, that, the that's, fish. Pretty, that's pretty short, two words. Yep, two words. Seize the fish. I think, you know, Keelan is really struggling out there in the fishing department, and she's, I feel like she's really going to seize that fish once she gets a hold of one. Yeah, I put uh, Keelan can't cast, and she misses out on a moose. Yeah, that was a big, big time mistake. Although we've seen just because you get a moose in previous seasons does not mean it's a lock to win the to win the whole shebang you know true. you need to diversify the uh, types of meals you're intaking true she yeah. was really struggling out there trying to catch that fish i felt really bad for her because she's got her camera going and she's out on that uh that rock and she's trying to cast she's just you know like swinging swinging the uh, the fish line and then letting it fly 
and she and the first time it, it like falls at her feet or just you know it doesn't go very far and she's like oh it caught on this little this little nub on the on the the spool and so then she cast three or four more times with not much better results it, it was just uh pretty uh pretty pathetic in terms of being able to cast yeah i wonder how and i might need to do some research on this but i'm wondering how much the producers of the show allow these contestants to bring in regards to fishing like how like what type of fishing supplies could you bring because i feel like that's a main you know that's a main way of getting food on this show and like they have to keep it limited. You know, you can't bring a fishing rod. Like that can't be an item. Right. But I think, I think, you know, you, we've seen gill nets. I think we've seen hooks. Uh, I think Keith brought hooks. Keith brought fish line because he set up the bank lines. Remember? So I, yeah. think, I think those are all very uh, um, options that, that they can bring. And I mean, you were, you were on Catalina this, this past weekend. You caught a fish. I did a little, uh, I don't really even know the name of it. A uh, little kelp something. That's yeah. that's at least what uh, Big Biz was saying to us. Uh, that's what he called it. Kelp, a kelp fish, a type of kelp fish. It was close to the rocks, but I mean, I had fishing line in a in a barb hook. So, but I feel like that'd be one of the more reliable sources of food. I feel like if I were to pick items to go on the show, they would. I would definitely try and set myself up for fishing success. Agreed. I mean, that's a, that's a steady source of food until the lake freezes over. True. Well, then you take a master class on ice fishing. I guess. I guess. How about that moose? I mean, she, she left camp without her bow. She's one of the nine, nine of the, nine of the 10, right? She's one of the nine that brings her bow, but she leaves it in camp when she goes after this fishing spot about a mile away and she's struggling at fishing and lo and behold, this moose is less than 20 yards away. And her female moose call worked as well. It worked for a little bit. The moose started to turn around in the water. I thought that was impressive. Yeah, but I didn't know what she was going to do with it once it got back. <laughs> Be careful what you call for. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that would have been an unpleasant encounter. So, I mean, on the spur of a moment, um, could you imitate a female moose? No, I I couldn't even begin. I can't. I'll get the police called on me. <laughs> All right, hey Keith, cousin it. So I, I I couldn't even come up with a sentence. I just have I have a a short list, and my list okay. is a squirrel, earrings, and fish jerky. Those are good. My sentence for Keith is fake it till you make it, because Keith is big on optimism and energy and bringing, uh, bringing forth that hope every day that, you know, it's an attitude game. And if I stay, have, stay with a positive attitude, that good things are going to happen. So that was kind of my tagline for Keith this episode. Fake it till you make it. Do you think he's, he's faking it? He's got to fake it? No, I don't think so. But, I mean, he's not the winner yet, so he's got to fake like he's the winner until he is the winner. So, okay. long game. Yep. All right. Amos, the yogi. Mm -hmm. Yogi, I put Something Evil's Lurking in the Dark from uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. It's a song lyric because Yogi seems to be, as, as all our contestants are, but Yogi seems to be the most hyper aware of the predators in his surrounding area. You know, they, they were really, the, the show was really keen on showing us him at night in his shelter. 
worrying about the predators out there. Seems to be a common theme. And the fact that you pulled a, 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 a lyric from a song and your name is Jukebox, that's very appropriate. That's it's just what I do. Mm-hmm. I put down, Amos is a fish merchant, but he has a predator stalking his camp. Yeah, he caught a big fish. He caught a big fish, and he goes, he said, this is a, a little sturgeon. This is a little guy. And then he said, compared to the other two that he caught, I mean, he's, he's raking in the fish. I think you said he had caught 11 fish so far? Yeah. Almost. See, now I'm thrown off because I have Yogi. It, in my power rankings, the top five are, like, pretty well, hey, solid. Hey, right? hey we're, not, we're not to Sorry. the power rankings yet. All right, you can wax eloquent when we get to that point. Okay. Um, All right. What also, you, did you see? Did you see the uh, the after show with Colby Donaldson? I watched bits and pieces of it. So, also, what impresses me about Amos is that he found a way. To, you, they they showed it during the show, or him, him hoisting his fish up into a tree. His stash. Oh, yeah. yeah, and he put you know, it in his underwear. He put it in his underwear. That is wild. He had a brand new pair of underwear that he hadn't used before, and he he tied it, tied up some of the some of the openings and put the fish in there and hoisted it up. So he might have another nickname. His nickname should be Haynes, <laughs> not Yogi. <laughs> okay, he is he is re-nicknamed right now, Haynes. I like it. Yes. All right, let's go to uh, Joe Nobo. Nobo Joe. Nobo uh, Joe. Okay, you go first or me? I'll go first this time. All right, all right. I say that uh, Nobo Joe is pretty good with a hatchet, but his squirrel skills are slipping away. Yeah, I I put for our friend, I wish I would have brought a bow or at least a better squirrel hook. Nice, nice. That squirrel, that, that squirrel really did outwit him. It did. It did. He, he, he had that squirrel trapped and he was, uh, he just lost focus for a second and didn't plug that hole up again with that rock when he went to go look for, for some other way to, to get the squirrel out and the squirrel bolted gone. You know what? It was really one of my favorite parts of the episode because I feel like you had two extremely opportunistic creatures battling each other there. Joe is desperate for food and he's thinking, Oh, easy pickings i got a squirrel down in this hole and this squirrel's thinking holy smokes i'm gonna die unless i i get out of here and as soon as joe takes his eye off the squirrel and takes a step back that thing is gone lightning yep and so joe who was in you know first episode and and threw a rock at a squirrel in a tree and and took him down that's, that's pretty impressive now he he lets he lets a a gift meal just slip away through his fingers yeah, Joe also looks visibly skinnier. He that will happen. Dense. That will happen when you don't eat for, for a while. But but even more so than the other <laughs> other members on the show. I mean, I feel like Joe has not been eating a lot. Yeah. He has not. But what did you think of his hatchet skills? It was very impressive. What what are they called? Dovetails? Is yeah, that the he's notching the logs, putting dovetails in, dovetail joints? But, you know, for all that work that he was doing, they showed his shelter kind of at the end of the show after the squirrel got away. And uh, there's not a lot of progress. I mean, he's got, he's got a, a couple of layers on the ground and a couple of A-frames up, but not a whole lot of progress on the shelter. No, it's, it's, a, it's certainly no rock house. No. 
But I was, I was also struck by how both Joe and Keith, uh, Cousin It, Novo Joe and Cousin It Keith, um, were talking about they need to focus, the importance of focusing on a project at hand and just losing themselves in the project. Uh, so, you know, Cousin It making the earrings, uh, Joe and, and his, his making of the, the notches and the dovetail joints, uh, just passing the time so focused and wrapped up in their work that they forget that they're alone and they're not, they're not dealing with that solitude while they're, they're that focused. Yeah, I understand Keith, but I feel like Joe has a, I feel like Joe could lose himself in some maybe productive things. Other like, like he needs to get that shelter accomplished. I feel like Keith is already kind of set up to lose himself maybe in some projects. Um, also, but Keith, what also surprised me with Keith, not to take any attention away from Joe, but similar approach as far as knowledge based. He's kind of, Keith is thinking, I'm going to stick with what works here. Um, and I feel like he's really, he's learning from the land and kind of finding where he fits into that situation. Yeah. Can you give me an example? Yeah. Well, he, there's a quote from him. He says, um, he says, you just kind of got to take what the land's going to give you. Um, and he's actively and passively fishing, you know, he's setting up those That's right. bank lines constantly, you know, they seem to be working for him, multiple bank lines. Yeah. He's catching food without expending energy, which is, which is key. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like Keith is kind of in a position where he's just walking around, just kind of like checking on all his projects and he's kind of got a shelter, you know? Mm -hmm. It seemed like his shelter went up pretty, pretty quick. It was like kind of an A-frame low to the ground a-frame with a tarp and some some bows and it, it you know it's certainly not as uh sturdy or as impressive as, as maybe some of the other shelters out there but he got it up quick yeah i feel like the other creatures on in the surrounding area know that uh know that keith is there i think mm -hmm. that's a good way to put it yep all right let's go to roland the thing the thing i believe it's my turn right your turn yep earth wind and fireweed root that's what I have for Keith or for Roland for the thing. Say it again. One more time. Earth, earth, wind, and fireweed root. Okay. I get the fireweed root. What's with the earth and the wind? Earth, wind, and fire. Well, I understand that. I, I thought maybe there was some kind of reference to what happened in the episode with earth and wind. Nope. Just fireweed root. Because okay. that really, that really surprised me. I did not expect that from, from Roland. It felt, but he's also the guy that was eating ants on day one. So true true so just a, a musical reference again from jukebox yes earth wind and fireweed root very good yeah. i i put uh for for roland i put squirrels are finger looking good finishes the rock house and adds a root cellar yeah finally the rock house is done and i'm kind of upset with the show they couldn't give us some better angles of that thing i want kind of roland you got i i want a an mtv welcome to my crib view of that house you know i want to see all the features from the inside and the out like i want to see him jump up and down on the roof he was bragging about it it looks like a very sturdy structure yeah he roland roland is a bit crazy i'm gonna go out there right now i'm gonna say he he is a bit uh around the bend you see him he had that squirrel and he was holding a dead squirrel in his hand he's talking to the the camera and all the while he is you know sticking his fingers into the squirrel's mouth and uh like wiping the blood off of the squirrel and then, then licking his fingers, licking the squirrel blood off his fingers. That's, that was just plain weird. Yeah. Or wait, 
are we transitioning into moments you might have missed? Because I feel like I feel like you're kind of discussing that right now. No, no, not not quite yet. No, not quite okay. yet. That, that, that might be one of your moments. Yeah, that was okay. that was just that was bizarre. And then he spent uh, with the root cellar. You know, he has this little nice little add-on to his his rock house where he's left a gap in the in the ground just outside, covered up with some some rocks loosely, and uh, he, he is acquiring fireweed root which i guess is a source of of nutrition and he he's he says that he's he's ready to go the the distance just eating fireweed the rest of the way yeah he said if it comes down to it i'll just dig up a hundred pounds of fireweed root so i think that also gives us a little insight into into his state of mind (laughs) yeah I don't know. I think I think the thing may be thinking worst case scenario, and I think that's natural when you're in a situation of survival like that. So he's thinking, if I gotta go 100 days eating fireweed root, I will. He is determined. He is he is single minded. Uh, he he could, he could do it. I don't know. So let's let's play just spur of the moment since we did the nickname spur of the moment. I got a, a hypothetical question for you. Spur of the moment here. Okay. So the first part of the question is, do you think that if all the members of the show were able to see one another, as in they were seeing the videos of each other and how each other are doing, do you think that would affect who wins? Yes. Yes. And who do you think and would people be intimidated by Roland? I think there. I, I, that was just the word I was going to use. I think seeing videos of the other players, there is some kind of intimidation factor there. There is there's a an internal um, tendency for for yourself to compare yourself against your your competitors, your fellow competitors. And so by seeing these other videos, I think people would see the antics of Roland and say, "Oh, forget it. This this guy." He, he is crazy enough to do this, and he has no signs of, of slowing down or throwing in the towel or anything like that. So I, th- I think people would be intimidated, and uh, it would definitely help Roland's case. <laughs> Maybe everyone except for Keith. I feel like Keith and Roland would live out there for a couple of years <laughs> battling each other out. True. Yep, I can see that. I can see that. All right, let's, let's get to the next section of uh, the episode, Three Turning Points. These could be uh, incidents that revealed uh, insights into our characters or maybe crucial moments of the show where uh, you realize something about, about these contestants. Yeah, I think, uh, if you don't mind me starting this off, um, one of the major turning points I felt, one of the three I marked down, is Joe and his lack of a bow. I think it's honestly going to start to catch up with him. It's becoming more apparent every episode that like his inability to hunt with a tried and true weapon is going to come back to get him. Like he, he's not eating food. Um, He's trying to fashion hooks out of branches. He just finds on the ground to get squirrels and holes. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just, I, I'm just not sure if his trapping and fishing ability is going to allow him to succeed as other contestants who we've seen frequently use the bow. Yeah, I almost feel there's, there's kind of a Game of Thrones quality to this, to this uh, show because winter is coming. It's going to start snowing. 
the, the ground cover, the berries, the, the plants, uh, once that snow falls, that, that stuff's going to be gone. You, you're going to have to find some way to bring in the food and, and keep your calorie intake going. And I think you're right. I mean, his lack of a bow may, may end up biting him in the butt. Think about it. If you're allowed to bring a bow and arrows, right? I mean, that is like a properly professionally fashioned weapon in comparison to something you can make out there with your own hands. It's certainly not very comparable. Like whatever weapon he's going to fashion, whether it's a spear or like a, a knife rock, like I, I don't even know what he would do, but he doesn't, he, he doesn't have something he can rely on. Right. Yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah. Why, why make a weapon? Why have to rely on making a weapon when you could have brought one from the beginning? Yeah. I feel like you could have substituted that those two items for whatever else he brought. I don't, I don't know, unless those other two things you brought were a wish and, and then a wish for more wishes. I don't know what yeah. what would have been more useful than a bow and arrow. Yeah, my my uh, first crucial moment, turning point, what we talked about a little bit at the beginning. Uh, Keelan left her bow at camp when she went on her, what she referred to as her fish mish, her fish mission. And she left her bow and she, that, that caused her to miss out on an attempt at a moose, a lot of meat there. I'm feeling that that could also be a game changer. She's not doing too well fishing. She's doing okay with the rabbits and her snares, but I think she's also going to have to find a way to stock up on food before before winter comes. And that was a, a prime opportunity. How many how many more times are you going to get a chance to have a moose within 20 yards of you? Yeah, that's. I think that was a major turning point because if she hunts that moose and kills it, it is huge for morale because she's at like a breaking point. And now that she didn't get it, it's like, it's like uh, kind of representative of the end of the world. You know, like she's running out of options here. Yeah. Yep. All right. Was that one of your turning points as well? No, it wasn't. Okay. Well, what's your second one? Our friend Joel and his food storage. Um, I feel like that's going to come in handy, obviously, with keeping your food safe. It looks like um, it's working. You know, I'm not a professional in, in bushcraft or food storage of that nature, but you know, it looks like it's going to help him out a lot. So now all he has to do is catch food. Okay. I have a different take on that. Cause I also have uh, the food cache as a turning point uh, or a crucial moment, but I put that, you know, Joel, after a strong start, this is, this is Timon, by the way, Joel, uh, he falls from his lateral making the food cache. And so now I'm wondering, is he not as skilled as I initially thought he was? It seems like a, a silly, avoidable mistake. And so maybe I, I gave him too much credit. I'm wondering if I gave him too much credit, you know, after, my, after his impressive uh, background story that was presented. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It seemed like a one-off mistake. We'll see. Okay. All right. Your third one. My third one. Our beloved friend, the thing, the rock house is built. I felt like that was a major turning point. Because he was exerting about 500 calories an hour building that thing. And now he's got probably one of the best setups, you know, like you've seen a lot of, a lot of these episodes. How many people have had a rock house built like that? Like yeah. That, I, I'm just so impressed with Roland, with Roland's shelter. So uh, he, he should be able to stay warm in there, right? Totally. Totally. I would think he's, so. I think the only thing he, the only thing he has to do that might take a little bit more energy is the chimney he was talking about building. 
That's what I was going to say. He's got to build a chimney, but he's going to get a fire going. And because it's made out of rock, I mean, it's, it's not going to burn, at least not, yeah. the, not the walls. It's insulated. I feel like he uh, did a good job with putting the moss in between um, the logs in mm -hmm. his roof. I feel like it's really insulated. Like that's a, a pretty well done structure. Right. So if he stocks up on his 100 pounds of fireweed and he builds his chimney, he stays warm. And if he doesn't make any mistakes and get hurt, I mean, what else does he need? He could stay out there all 100 days. I know. I feel like he might, he could stay, if he has the right amount of food in there, not that he would want to, but I feel like he could just stay in Rock House for a long time without yeah. leaving. Yeah. My third one was also about Roland, about the thing. But mine was he was licking the squirrel blood off his fingers. I put down the next sentence there is, He's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah. And I, I said, not sure if, he, if that's a strength or a shortcoming in this show. And I think we're going to find out. You know what? I think it's a strength for Roland. I believe. The way he started talking about his, uh, his mother who passed away also, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like he's kind of on a mission that other, other, other survivors out there may not have the same uh, intensity that he's bringing to the game. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's go on to our, our next new section. It's called moments you may have missed. You know, I, I watched this uh, twice trying to glean some, some, uh, some slick uh, moments that pass by pretty quickly. So I've, I've got three. Do you have, do you have three? I have, I have a couple. Okay. The, the first well, one. Well, hang on. If you, if you only have a couple, let me go first. I'll go first. Okay. All right. So my first one is Keelan's female moose mating call. That was done pretty quick, and I, I, at first you think it's kind of a cry of agony that she's she's lamenting the fact that she forgot her bow back at camp. But no, that was a deliberate attempt at a a female moose mating call uh, to try and get that male moose to to turn back, and it did just for a second, like you said. But I thought that was that was pretty good thinking on her on her on her part. Uh, but you're right. What if that moose had gotten out and then approached her? What would she have done? That'd have been interesting. Yeah, that was, a, that was a moment our viewers may have missed. It was brief. Um, my moment that a lot of people might have missed, but I will encourage you to go back and watch it because it's extremely impressive. Joel's squirrel catch out of the tree after he shot the squirrel. Joel or Keith? Oh, Keith. Keith. Sorry, Keith. Yes. What? How impressive was that? That was a... He shot that thing high up there and he just stuck his hand out up in the, he grabbed that squirrel out of the sky. That is my second moment. I put the same thing and it looked like he used uh, an arrow without a tip. So it was like a blunt force arrow because the arrow didn't stick into the squirrel. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. He, and next thing you know, he is standing underneath the tree and here comes the squirrel falling out of the tree. He just grabbed it in one hand. It was, it was pretty impressive. That guy. That guy, that guy tracked it down like a, a, a fly ball out of Dodger Stadium. That was impressive. <laughs> no, he, went over the, he went over the wall for that one. That was good. Yeah. All right. Uh, you have another one? You go ahead. Okay. So mine actually comes from the Do Colby Donaldson after show. Uh, I was watching that a little bit. And if you, if you, if you look carefully – uh, Keith is not wearing a necklace or he doesn't have his, his hair braided a certain way. That is a long stretch of stitches down his neck. 
what how yeah. did i miss that okay. yeah down the side down the side of his neck it looked like a nasty injury i don't know if it was stitches or staples but it was pretty it was pretty gruesome and so i'm wondering did that happen during the show what 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 happened exactly and they didn't they didn't talk about it they didn't mention it so i'm thinking because they didn't mention it maybe maybe they're, they're not wanting to give anything away that that happened in the show so maybe there's something coming up uh this season on alone that uh Looks like it was pretty pretty gory. Yeah, well, I need to go back and watch that now. So it was on the live show. Yes. Where he had the scar. So right. something happened to him. Yes. Yep. He's also a diesel mechanic, though. So I, I don't know if maybe there was some uh, a machinery accident that maybe wasn't on the show. Could be. It could be completely unrelated to the show, but I thought it was interesting that they showed it and it was clearly visible and was not discussed at all. Yeah. Um, another, another moment I think our viewers may have missed, and maybe they didn't, and I just found this particularly interesting. Um, I believe now, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure it was Roland who was talking about the color of the squirrel skin. Yes. Yep. You're right. And how the, the blue is the cold or the white skin means it's getting cold and the blue is warm and how the squirrels pretty much whole outer coat was white. So kind of just also building on the game of Thrones theme of winter is coming. It looks like the animals are kind of getting ready to getting ready to hibernate or get out of the way, stay warm. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a, that's a good uh, moment you may have missed. Also, it kind of also reflects that this show is pretty gruesome. I mean, you, I don't know any other shows where they're, they're skinning squirrels and uh, playing with little intestines and, and uh, showing off the, the fat content of the skins. It was, it's, it's, pretty, it's right there in your face. Yeah, well, well, Keith was skinning that squirrel and just pulled the gut out and the intestines he's like oh that's ready right for the pot right there that's right yeah okay now we're getting getting to the part here where we talk about the top achiever so i've got top achiever and i've also got who's driving the struggle bus so okay. who do you who do you have as your your top achiever uh, at this point as much as i've bragged about rolling so far this episode i think my top achiever right now is keith uh I don't know. I like what Keith has got going on. Um, it seems like it's going to take a lot for him to panic. Uh, I think he's got a lot of mechanisms in place right now with his traps, his fishing lines, his shelter, his mentality. Uh, even little things like his, his sign pointing towards Kentucky. It seems like he's really getting situated for a long, long time out there. So I think Keith is the top achiever of this episode. That's a good take. Interesting take. I have Amos as my top achiever. And really? so yeah, Amos, he just like just like last episode, he didn't get a lot of screen time, but what we saw was pretty impressive, I thought. You know, he's out there, he is very centered. He is one with nature. He's doing some yoga out there. He's he's uh he's thanking nature and apologizing for all the damage that mankind's done. And he is really in tune with his surroundings. And the whole reason this episode was titled was titled That Was Not a Bunny. Is that the name of the episode? Uh, so, yeah. That was, that was no bunny. Is because he's, he's in there and he's listening and he's hearing noises out there and realizes there is a predator uh, out there and he's out there looking for it. 
so I, I feel like he is really centered. He's got the right mindset. I think he's got the right skills, uh, and he's, he's doing well so far. Yeah, Yogi also had a, a great quote out of context. He, he says, <laughs> thank God he didn't find my stash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a funny quote. Yogi, just if we're going to play devil's advocate here with uh, kind of spoilers based off what the producers are showing us and whatnot, uh, not showing Yogi a whole lot. Uh, not a lot of screen time. And I think that's also because he's probably going to be around for a while. Yeah. That's my guess too. Yeah. All right. Who's driving the struggle bus? Oh, it's a toss up between two people. I've already lamented this episode. It's uh Keelan and Joe. I don't know who's worse right now, but they both seem desperately hungry. Morale is extremely low. Um, I don't know. I just feel like, Whereas a lot of players made steps in the right direction, they didn't make any steps or even regressed a little bit. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I have the, the driver of the struggle bus for me was Joe. You know, after an impressive start of getting that squirrel uh, and chasing away the bear and just having a, a good overall perception of, you know, what's out there to eat, what's available, his knowledge of the plants. Uh, he was really impressive the first week, but I saw a serious decline in his performance this week. He hasn't gotten very far in the shelter. He's got some great carpentry skills, but hasn't made much progress. And he is struggling on the food issue. So, Yeah. I, I know that he was saying to kind of lose himself in some activities like those dovetails architecture and stuff, but at some point you got to think, what is the quickest way for me to get the best shelter up? And I don't think that he's really satisfying that need, you know, because yep. it seemed like Roland fashioned that rock house pretty quickly. Uh, Mark from episodes one and two built his shelter fairly quickly, pretty sturdy at the same time. You know, I feel like Joe is really, it's not like he's trying to impress the viewers or something with his, his skills, but I don't know. I feel like he's not being practical. Yeah, and I think that's why I have uh, Joe driving the struggle bus and not Keelan because Keelan has a shelter. She has a she has a good shelter up. Yeah, and she's yeah. she's situated in that fashion. Uh, she is struggling on the food issue, but she at least she's got her shelter up. Yeah, definitely. She just needs food. Yeah. All right, that brings us to our final segment of the episode: power rankings. So we're going to include all eight remaining contestants in this, including the the couple that we did not see this week. Uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. So at number one, as all power rankings go, you have to beat the best to be the best. Um, and I think as of right now, we haven't seen uh, we haven't seen Mark regress, and so I'm keeping Mark at number one in my power rankings. Okay. So uh, uh, Mark is a military man. Um, we've watched him before. He's Great start. Um, I'm assuming we're going to get back to him in episode four. Okay. So I'm keeping Mark at number one. Number two, new contestant, Keith. I put Keith number two in the power rankings. I've already bragged about Keith a lot as being the top achiever for this episode. I think his, uh, his strategies with the bank lines and, uh, and his skills with the bow and arrow, he's already got a, a, a solid shelter up. Uh, I think he's set up for success. His demeanor, it, it reeks of success. Okay. Number three, 
another newcomer, Joel. Despite Joel's mishaps with the ladder uh, and making his food storage, uh, I, I like his attitude. I like I like him talking to the muskox, although it might be weird to some people. But I think it's a I think it's a survival strategy in itself. It's about mental survival, you know. He's he's having fun out there. It looks like he's really having fun, and at the same time, he's not running into the issues we see Joe having with, you know, having fun but not having anything else done. It looks like Joel's having both. You know, he's got his shelter, he's got his food, he's catching food. Um, he's already into the stage of food storage. I feel like that's a, an important part of the survival aspect that you may not think about at first, but once you have food, you need a safe place to store it. It's not like you can just go put it in the fridge, right? Okay, good so, point. Number four, Roland. So as you recall, Roland was low on our power rankings last episode. I think it's because we saw him exert a lot of energy um, and not really put anything back in. Uh, but a combination of his shelter being 98% of the way done um, and, you know, his fireweed diet, <laughs> it makes me feel a little bit better that this is, we're going to start to see the returns that really shoot uh, Nolan, Roland back up maybe into like the top two spots, you know, because I think we were a little concerned about his ability to put calories back in. Um, but I think we're really now going to get to see him do that. Okay. So, uh, and number five, rounding out the top five, this was close between – this is interchangeable with Roland, really, but Yogi, Amos. I put Amos at number five. Uh, we've talked about, you know, he's, he's pretty pretty cool, calm, and collected out there. Really grateful for the opportunity. Uh, he seems to be one with nature and – you know, still impressed by the fact that he actually did survive a civil war in the wilderness. So he's, he's been in worse situations and he's prevailed. So okay, tough to right. say we won't, we won't see uh, him deep in this show. Okay. Who are your uh, bottom three? Bottom three is number six, Keelan. Uh, she's, she just needs food and she's doing a little bit better than number seven and eight, Joe and Callie. We still have not seen Joe or Callie put up a, a shelter worth much. Um, Callie was following wolves and <laughs> Joe, Joe's working on dovetails when he should really just be working on throwing something up and getting some food in his belly. Yep. All right. Very interesting. I, I, I appreciate uh, how you rank those folks. Uh, our bottom three match exactly. Our top five are completely different. So this should be wow, interesting. Okay. Let's All right, so here, here, here are my power rankings. So I went number one. I went with Amos. Uh, oh, wow. Like, we, we didn't see a lot of him, but um, he's got the right attitude, as I said. I think he's got the right skills, and he is at the right location with the fish. He is just hauling in fish after fish after fish. And if, if the predator doesn't find his stash, uh, he could be set up for a while. So I think, I think that attitude, the mental frame – is so important in this game because we've seen so many people tap out because they could not handle being alone and just being by themselves. And I think Amos has the right mindset out there. So he, right now he's, he's at the top of the power rankings for me. Number two right. for me, go ahead. Haynes at number one, Haynes at number one. You know what? That's why I'm saying, I was saying earlier, my top five are extremely tight. You know, it, it's, they're all doing extremely well. And I think that they're going to push, 
even though there's never been an alone contestant make it to 100 days, I am pretty sold that we're going to get it this year. And do you think it's going to be one contestant or multiple contestants? I don't know. If I were to put my money on three, it's between uh, Roland, Keith, and Amos. I think that those three are 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 in it for the long haul. I think it's a combination of age. I think it. I think age definitely has a factor in this because for me, with guys like Mark and Joel, um, and even Joe and Keelan too, and Callie, when I see younger people on the show, I know speaking from experience, when I get out there and I don't have self-service or I get out there and I'm not around other people, I'm a lot more angst and anxious to get back. Um, instead of somebody, you know, you can testify to this like yourself when you have a lot more to run away from than to run <laughs> back to maybe. So you're, you're an ageist. That's what you are. Yeah, I guess. Call me what, call me whatever it is. All right, back to my power rankings. Before I was so rudely interrupted. So Amos was first. He's number one. Number two for me is Roland. Uh, Wow. Yeah, Roland. He is tough. He is relentless. And he just might be crazy enough to be out there 100 days. And he is not afraid to subsist on fireweed root for for that length of time as well. So he's up there. He's got that house completed. So that's yeah. That's number two. Number three for me was Mark. We didn't see him this week, but uh, I still like that chasing the bear mindset, making sure that bear knows that you're not, you're not food, you're, you're a loud, obnoxious thing to be avoided. So kind of setting the boundaries there is, 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 is kind of carried over into uh, these power rankings, even though we didn't see him this week. Number four, I've got Joel. His intro was strong, but I do have to point out he didn't know the difference between musk ox and bear scat. So, and he also took the fall from that ladder. So, I, you know, he started off strong, but now <laughs> I've, the doubt is starting to creep in. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, number five for me was Keith. Seems to have the skills in the background. Didn't see too much of him this episode, uh, but he did catch that squirrel before it hit the ground. And that's, that's a, that shows some, some skills right there. So. Uh, give him some yeah. points for that. And then, and then of course, six, seven, and eight. Six, seven, and eight okay. were, were Keelan, Joe, and Callie. So, you know what? I can't tell. And maybe I'm just rusty on my uh, knowledge of the dynamics of the show, but I feel like out of those bottom three, it would not surprise me to see one of them in the upcoming episodes just completely flip a switch and turn it around. You know? I feel like there has to be kind of an, uh, a comeback or underdog uh, story to this season. You know, even though you think the, the natural world doesn't really care about your storylines, I feel like there's something about, like, about that grit and being out there where they're not going to give up. And I feel like that attitude is going to prove successful for someone in those bottom three. Yeah, I am prepared to be surprised. I'm waiting for it. Yeah. All right. So that's it. That's what we have for this week. Uh, Sorry it took us so long to get it out, but we were out having fun on the trail. And we want to make sure we got this out before this week's episode airs tomorrow night. So uh, I'm going to release this pretty soon. And then we'll we'll get on the the episode four of the of the show, which will be episode three for our podcast. But we'll get that out this weekend. So. Yep. Sounds good. I'm excited to watch tomorrow night. Any final thoughts for this episode? 
Um, Parting words? I think I had something to say about the sneak peek for next week. Uh, we have, it looks like, I'm interested to see what Joel has in his ear. Yes, that was interesting. He was kind of jumping around trying to get something out of his ear. Yeah, maybe maybe Joel's going to get some vertigo. I don't know. Jakku. Jakku put something in his ear. <laughs> when he was sleeping. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, do, do we have a sign-off? Do we have a, a tagline that we, we leave the show with? I don't think so. Should we come up with one? Let's come up with one. I don't know. Okay. Technically, something about alone. I feel like it has to have the word alone in it, right? We are the companion pod, so maybe it should be you're not alone. I don't know. <laughs> Is that too basic? Okay, hang on a second. Let's, let's pause. Let's pause just for a second. We're going to come back with a good top line, uh, tagline. Hang on. Okay, so the new tagline for the ending of the show. Go ahead, Jukebox. We're born alone, we live alone, and we die alone. Orson Welles. Very good. Doc and Jukebox, out until next week. Mm.